As a licensed member of the media, we have a responsibility and duty to engage in discussion on topics that are representative of our local, provincial, and national audiences' concerns and interests. We are committed to excellence in our designated format, opinion and commentary. We believe in the lawful, peaceful, diligent, democratic levers of our civic engagement, one important tenant of which is freedom of the press to explore delicate or socially taboo subjects. Reference material for today's topic may be requested. Some content in the following conversation may be sensitive. Viewer discretion is advised. Prolific columnist and author Barbara Kay is an outspoken voice for truth, common sense, and reason in today's landscape of ever-changing goalposts. She is especially passionate about calling out policies and ideologies that hurt women and families. You've probably read some of her commentary in National Post, The Epoch Times, and Western Standard. Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Barb, it's great to have you with us today. Leon, I'm really honored to be here. Thank you for having me. After reading a bunch of your columns, I can't wait to dive into some of this stuff. And I mean, some of your recent articles uh, and the research about gender dysphoria and what's coming out of a European countries is quite the opposite of what's coming out of Canada, apparently. Tell me about that. The United Kingdom has a centralized medical association that looks after uh, the mental health problems of youth. And that has allowed them to be, to a certain extent, to be disinterested in how they assess uh, some of the practices that are going on in clinics around the country. In their case, one of the problems was there was simply not enough oversight. They were processing these children very quickly uh, without holistic assessment. They were processing them and uh, giving them puberty blockers right away. They were recommending surgeries for young kids. Uh, and wow. they had obviously been infiltrated by and captured, as we say, as an institution uh, by extreme ideologues. Uh, and it was causing harm to children. And that was the conclusion that this review was named after, it was called the Cass Review. Dr. Hillary Cass was the presiding investigator. Uh, so that that very damning review uh, is getting a lot of press because basically their practices, the ones that this review condemns uh, are exactly the practices that are going on in gender clinics across Canada and across the United States too. So this is not just one isolated incident. This is carte blanche, it's across everywhere. It, it is, and it's it's adopted. It was uh, quite readily adopted by every single gender clinic in the country. If you if, and what the CAS review in in the UK is recommending, um, you know, slow down, watchful waiting, taking the whole child into account, not just believing. Say some five year old kid comes in. Oh, I'm supposed to be a boy. I'm a girl, but I'm supposed to be a boy. Okay, honey, you know. Yeah. I guess you're, you know, you're, you're a trans child. Uh, none of that was something that we used to have. And uh, I'm sure you probably remember several years ago, uh, the um, CAMH in Toronto, which was the Center uh, for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. And that was our kind of Tavistock at one time, because it was in Ontario, 
this was the home of gender dysphoria. There was a unit there and it was presided over by Dr. Kenneth Zucker. Dr. Kenneth Zucker uh, is a preeminent researcher specializing in gender dysphoria, had been for many years, had a worldwide reputation as a top expert um, and everything that the CAS review is calling for was exactly the methodology that he was practicing. And he got fired from the clinic by gender ideologues or who made sure he got fired because he was saying, you know, if a three-year-old says, I'm really a boy, you don't say, okay, dear, if you say so, then you must be. You say, uh, that's interesting. Why do you think you're a boy? And then you, you know, you, you, you give them play therapy and you, uh, you wait and see. Uh, so for this very commonsensical approach, uh, that was a, a kind of a watershed thing. His, his being fired by the clinic, uh, the, the, the considered the preeminent gender dysphoria clinic in Canada, that was a moment, a pivotal moment, because it signaled um, yeah. that these rising rates of kids uh, presenting as with gender dysphoria, that they could be treated uh, in the extreme way that has now been condemned in the United Kingdom. I think what's interesting to all of us parents, moms and dads, we don't have to be experts, is to look back at our childhood years, the children we've raised, the grandchildren we've raised, and go, what is going on on the planet when we think children should have surgeries and children should know what's going on on their own? None of us did when we were younger, and we know we didn't. And I'm not talking about the extreme, you know, the cases that are very serious out there. I just mean, it just seems like all these kids are hearing about it and learning about it, and they're so suggestive, uh, you know, they, they just pick things up and go places. And it's like, I'm talking to parents, I'm talking to families and schools, and it's just like, what in the world? That's the attitude I get from parents. You know, parents that have actually involved themselves in this issue uh, have been so shocked by what their kids are learning at school because it's not only what they're learning, it's the uh, total immersion in uh, in this issue. It's night and day. That's all they hear about. You know, just one little anecdote kind of sums it up. Um, when my uh, older Montreal granddaughter was, um, she's now 17. When she was 13, she decided she wanted a very short haircut. Very cute, but it was very short. And some of the girls in the class teased her and they said, oh, are you a lesbian? That was five years ago. And now her, you know, the, the younger granddaughter decided she wanted a shorter haircut. And when she cut it, uh, her girlfriend said, oh, you must be trans. Uh, it shows you yep. just in five years what has happened in the culture um, that kids have been so inundated all the time with this idea, this idea of gender fluidity, gender fluidity, so that if, oh, you, you, um, you, don't, you don't like playing with dolls, maybe you're trans, uh, you know, a boy, oh, you, uh, you don't want to be a truck driver or a, you don't want to be, you know, play with G.I. Joe, you must be trans. Are you trans? Do you think, where are you on the spectrum? Um, do you sometimes feel like a boy or more like a boy or more like a girl? All they're doing really is taking stereotypical ideas of what girls and boys, you know, should or or uh, right. 
typical, what is supposed to be typical, and saying, if you don't conform exactly to this typical model, then you must be gender fluid. And uh, they're believing it. So they're, they're, uh, they hear it all the time. It makes you wonder why they think they're an expert. I mean, Jordan Peterson is quoted as saying, the only difference between men and women is biological and cultural. And so when they use all these little tests and think, well, this, you know, they're just using what men and women are like culturally. Yeah. In many cases. Exactly. That's it. But, but uh, never before in human history have children been told, have children been told, literally told, uh, there is no such thing as boys and girls, yeah. or that your genitals don't imply anything about you, uh, have no influence on what you what your gender is, and that's okay because you can your your what you're born as, never mind assigned, since our sex is assigned right. the minute that we are conceived, <laughs> and um, they're they're told that's not important. Your yeah. biology is not important. What is important is how you feel. Well, that's a stupid thing to tell children. It is because to say that their bodies are meaningless, yeah. um, that's very frightening to a child, it, it, actually. It is frightening. There's no way we say, well, let them find themselves. Okay, what age do we think that even makes sense? Because it was, you know, it was equipping them to be honorable and integrous. And, and now every parent's like just backing off saying, well, what do I teach? I mean, parents are struggling and there are, a lot of them are getting mad. Well, I wish a lot of more of them would get mad because uh, this this only continues uh, because they're allowed to get away with it. Uh, when you tell a child that they should not trust the reality, the corporeal reality of what they are, and that that is not a trustworthy guide to who they are as a person, I think you're actually causing, it, it has to cause distress yes. to a child. Yes. Um, this re denial of reality, denial of science, mm -hmm. um, and also this easy acceptance of the idea that in changing your presentation of yourself through medicine, uh, making yourself look more like the opposite sex, um, that that actually is causing some kind of internal change in your body, that your body is no longer um, the sex you were born in, and that that it's literally changing to the other sex is untrue. So you're, you're teaching a lie. Yeah. And you're also teaching that it's it's rather an easy matter to achieve that transition. It yeah. is not easy. You're put on drugs that... Uh, we have no idea what the long, we have, we have some idea of the long-term consequences. One prominent uh, surgeon who is also a trans woman stated, Marcy Bowers has stated unequivocally, every child that goes on puberty blockers and, and cross-sex hormones will never have an orgasm. Now, this is child abuse yep. to introduce a child to allow them to take medicalized medicine, medi drugs that were meant for cancer patients and to castrate prisoners 
chemically castrate sex yep. offenders to give these sure. to children to and they say they're reversible but as we have learned just about a hundred percent of children hmm. who begin on puberty blockers go on to cross sex hormones these children their their bodies are uh, there's tremendous side effects some of them are are quite devastating and irreversible um so parents are being fed a pack of lies. Children are yeah. being fed a pack of lies. It's it's a terrible scene. There was an article or a stat that came out. Um, I believe it was with the group that Jordan Peterson uh, joined up with in the States. They made a comment somewhere that the suicide rate before surgery does not change after surgery. So yeah. just hearing that, this is not an answer. You know, they need to slow everything right down here and, uh, and let people find themselves without all the craziness. It, it is a kind of mania. Uh, yeah. the, the contagion part of it is very real and uh, uh, extremely compelling, you know, and there's so much denial of the fact that this whole idea of, of gender fluidity is in itself a form of uh, it's it's a theory that has no basis in reality whatsoever, but it, it does show you how easy it is for children to uh, fall into the contagion. After yeah. all, adults have fallen into it. Um, so where does this all start, Barb? Like, is it radical feminism? Is that what you think is really a push behind this? I do, actually. Um, what radical f feminism introduced was the idea that even though our bodies uh, are essentially either male or female. Uh, that gender um, is is a social construction, uh, and that our idea of who we are or what we want to do in life, or or uh, you know, all these assumed uh, parts of being a woman say that women desire to have children. Women desire to uh, you know be nurturing, uh, all of this, they would call that social construction and that there's no, absolutely no reason why uh, women and men should have any different interests or ambitions in life. Uh, it, if they do, it's only because of social construction. Once they introduced this idea that uh, what you are physically has no impact whatsoever, that your biology has no impact whatsoever, on your emotions or your ambitions or your preferences or your your desires, um, that in itself was a lie, but it opened the door. It opened yeah. the door to gender theorists to keep going, and it turned into queer theory, uh, which is hatred of norms. It's a love of anarchy that at one time used to be political and economic. Yeah. Uh, this is this is uh, a kind of anarchy that breaks down the family unit, which is a professed goal of queer theory. They don't like it because families do rely on traditional um, relationships uh, between men and women. And by traditional, I don't mean submissive women or controlling men. I mean a division of labor uh, mm -hmm. that benefits children and benefits the whole family. Um, so, so queer theory is, is an outgrowth of feminism and some 
feminists, some radical feminists have stuck with queer theory, which has morphed into gender ideology that is harmful to women, but they've stuck with it because they, they are theorists first and pragmatists second. Yeah. And they are so bound up with theory and ideology that they refuse to admit uh, that queer theory has been bad for gays and lesbians, and it's mm -hmm. been bad for women. So where does politics play in this? Like Canada seems to have turned away from common sense in a whole lot of areas. Um, but when you look at the role of politics in our society these days, like talk to me about that. What are you, what are you thinking about politics? Well, pol politicians have jumped on the bandwagon of, of queer theory and gender ideology because they are our, our ruling politicians, our dominant politicians, um, our leader is, is extremely progressive and he has chosen to surround himself with very progressive, uh, you know, cabinet ministers and, and, and he's attracted to his party, other people with very progressive views. And, you know, being progressive, it's kind of like a Chinese menu, you know, you, with this you get egg, egg rolls and with that you get, so gender ideology is very much part of the progressive litany. Um, you know, just as you you can't be progressive and say, oh, I, I believe in everything except I'm not keen on abortion. You couldn't do that, right? You that that has to be part of your belief system that abortion on demand. Uh, in the same way, you have to now be on board for trans people. Um, and if you're not, then uh, that you're you're just not part of the conversation. So these politicians feel that any deviation from affirmation of, of the gender ideologues uh, will put them in a bad position with their liberal base. Yeah. Uh, that's why they're, they're on board. They're cowards. Everyone's afraid to be canceled, right? They're afraid Everyone's of being canceled. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing is that politicians uh, who did take up, you know, five years ago, they would have said, look, Justin Trudeau, he's, he wanted half his cabinet to be women because it's 200, 2015, right? As it happened, 2015 was the year that trans took off. Uh, so Justin Trudeau now has signed many bills that are actually anti-women and pro-trans. He's, he's, he's created bills that allow male prisoners to transfer into women's prisons if they identify as women. We now have, we've had serial rapists. We have, we, we had a, 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 a rapist of children, a child rapist who was transferred to a woman's prison because he said he identified as a woman. You don't actually have to prove it. You just have to no. say. You put, you know, you have to. Uh, so they put a rapist, a man. A man, a, a male prison. rapist of children. Yeah. Into a women's prison. And some of those women have children in prison. So. Right. Uh, this is Justin Trudeau's belief that this is the the uh, the right of men who identify as women to occupy women's spaces uh, is a form of inclusion that is more important than the safety of women or fairness to women, as in women's sport, for example, um, or uh, more important than women's uh, even their sense of security women's changing rooms. How do we get common sense people? There's got to be a sleeping giant out there, a body of people 
who are just common sense, who need to wake up, speak up, and just go, you don't even have to walk through years of this training. Just look at it and go, no, uh, I want my school to teach kids reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'm going to, you know what I mean? You can, whatever yeah, yeah, they want to do. I mean, listen, you're absolutely right. There, there are people that are doing that. Yeah. That's exactly what they're doing. But, but the ones that are doing it, the, the pioneers, you might say, um, they're getting kicked, their, their voices are getting shouted down. They're told you're transphobic. Yep. So the school boards now are completely woke. And anybody who tries to, any parent, any teacher, any teachers for sure are not allowed to debate. They, they have to yep. teach this stuff. Parents who get up, you know, they're afraid to be shouted down. They're afraid to be lectured to by, by the school boards. They have the upper hand right now. These institutions have been captured by ideologues. Um, yeah. And now the pathway to a political career is through school boards, because that's where all the action is. That's where you kept you capture the children when they're young. Um, and by the time you get to high school now, you've got something like 30 to 40% of, of children who identify as uh, non-binary, or questioning, or they don't know what non-binary means. All they know is it's not cool to yeah. say, yeah, I'm a girl and I, I identify as a girl. The teachers' educational schools like OISE, uh, yep. the Ontario Institute for uh, whatever education at the University of Toronto, they are 100% steeped in wokeness, all woke, critical race theory, critical gender theory, radical gender theory. When you go to teacher's college, who are you? You're not an expert in anything. You don't know psych human psychology. You don't know biology. So you go to these teachers' colleges, and they fill your heads with this stuff, and you're impressionable. You believe them. Right. I've noticed that um, in a couple of provinces where I know people very well, that there is a massive migration to homeschooling and to private schools that have rights to let the parents be involved in the running of the school. And I'm talking with schools saying that never before have they seen the lineups to get into their schools like now. And homeschooling schoolers, I'm hearing the same thing from their leaders. It's exploding as parents say, not a chance. And they take them out. I, yeah, I've seen some of those figures. There's uh, one writer in the United States I follow, Corey DeAngelis. He's, a, he's, he's been on this subject of homeschooling for I don't know how many years. And I've seen the numbers. You're right. Uh, it's exploding in the States. I'm not surprised if it's exploding here at the same rate. Uh, there are some private schools that, by the way, there are some private schools that are totally into the whole woke yeah. thing as well. Yes, there is. But there are private schools that at least they're much more discreet about it. And they wait till the kids are at an age where they can actually understand what they're hearing. Um, in this case in Ontario, if you look at the actual curriculum in the school, what they are supposed to be taught in grade one is the biological parts of their body. That's the grade one sex ed curriculum. So how are how was this teacher allowed to show videos, to read little books that were encouraging children to draw pictures of a trans spectrum? Like of how was she allowed to do that? They do it because they're they they call them teaching moments. So they're not on the curriculum. They're not on the homework. The parents don't get to see these teaching moments, but they're spending a lot of time on them. And that's how they evade even a yeah. decent 
curriculum. And this is something parents have to know about. They have to ask those teachers. Yes. Excuse me. Are you doing teaching moments that are not on the school curriculum about gender and this and that? And they'll have to be honest. Yeah. Are you, do you have books that you read to the children about, you know, gender fluidity? Do you, this, they have to ask the right questions. They can ask them politely. So what advice would you give to concerned parents who are starting to track this stuff, realizing this has been coming on strong before we even realize it and it's in place. What advice would you give a concerned Canadian in looking after their kids when it comes to schooling and, and well, everything there else? Are, there are some terrific organizations. Uh, there's a, 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 ter a very good organization called uh, FAIR that is now in the schools. Parents can join, teachers can join. They are very effective uh, in, in um, promoting materials that, that parents and teachers. There's another organization called PAFE, Parents uh, Advocating for Fairness in Education, I think it is. That's a very good group that that So Canadian join these things and give them power, get involved. Yeah, because there's safety, there's safety in numbers and there's power yes. in numbers. I totally agree with you. As I look down the track a little bit, the pendulum is gonna swing. And uh, as, as the destruction to children and things begin to happen and people wake up and figure out ways to get involved, um, wow, I, I just see this happening more often. I, I see parents getting more involved in the education of their children. And if we don't see change, let's move ahead a number of years and go, if our education system is dealing with how I feel about my sexuality instead of learning the skills and sciences and medicine and whatever career paths we're taking, well, other countries who aren't doing this as much, they're going to take over when it comes to this planet because they're going to have the bright, brilliant, educated people who are out there making finances, running corporations, etc. Don't you think? I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I'm sure that uh, places like China are thrilled that yep. uh, we're so absorbed in, right. you know, teaching children about inclusion of this and inclusion of that. Um, and uh, never mind learning, uh, reading, writing and arithmetic, never mind in our military, uh, learning about, you know, how to actually conduct yourself in war, uh, you know, Wokeness in the military yep, yep. is a huge problem in the United States. It is. Uh, it's also a problem here, but it's much more important in the United States because, after yes. all, the, these are, you know, this is this is a military that could be engaged and is often engaged, uh, you know, in around the world, and they are they are getting weaker by the day because yep. nobody wants. Listen, we're having a terrible recruitment problem, and so is the United States. Men don't want to join a military that cares more about, you know, women and people who think they're women than it cares about men. Um, yeah. They are pitching the military to uh, people that are least likely to want to go into it in the first place. And they are discounting the feelings of men who, who normally are used to having um, themselves recruited along the lines of be proud to serve, be proud yeah. to stand up as a man, be proud to, you know, uh, protect your country. Uh, this is what they used to pitch it, and they used to get lots of volunteers. Uh, yeah. But, but you know, join the army, uh, and you can um, identify with the gender of your choice. Uh, that's not a great recruiting line, I don't think. No. 
I know that when I look at a, a lot of men that I'm talking to uh, are leaving armed forces, leaving uh, police, and they're leaving all these different areas that they used to love. And I'm meeting a lot of them. And you know what? Our, our time is up. We've got to talk again because you are just a wealth of information. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so nice talking to you. This has been very good. Thank you, Barbara, so much. A pleasure, Leon. Thanks for having me uh, once again, and I uh, look forward to our next conversation. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There you can subscribe to my newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. You'll be the first to know about fascinating conversations I've had recently and what my research team is working on. If you have a suggestion for the show or would like the reference material for this episode, use the link in the show notes. Experience Return to Reason. Get involved.